0: This is The SBI Show. Hello, everybody. I'm Ivan Skalarsep, and it has been a while. It has been a long time. But I am back. We are back. And we're back just in time for the FIFA World Cup. And you had to know the World Cup here. It was time to bring the show back and really dig into this national team conversation. And... We're only a few days away from U.S. versus Wales, and in case you didn't know, I'm coming to you from Doha, Qatar, and I can tell you right now, it is hot. I can't even imagine what it would be like here in the summer, but this is the winter, apparently, and I can tell you this is my fifth World Cup, and it's, it's definitely different there 's a different vibe here there is no to be honest there 's no vibe yet. The fans are not here. Teams are arriving we're we 're about five days out from the world cup and it, it's it 's just different it 's just different and i 'm not going to sit here and spend a, a ton of time trashing the setup there 's a lot you can obviously talk about in terms of Qatar and, and and everything surrounding the fact that this tournament is here we can have we can discuss that in other episodes and just to let you know, I will have a lot more episodes in the coming days and weeks. I'm going to be here to the end of the tournament and I will have updates and I will have episodes throughout the tournament. And I just wanted to kick things off, get things started. Just talking about the team, the U.S. men's national team. And if you're listening to this show, you're listening because you want to hear about the men's national team and the state of the team heading into their World Cup. And This is the golden generation that we've been hearing about for so long and that I've been talking about for so long. Now it's time to show and prove and show why we think this is such a special generation. And there's a lot of questions that still need to be answered about this team. But I would say I've been here about three days now and you definitely get a good vibe, a good sense of this team, that that, that they're in a good spot, that it's it's a good collection of players not just in terms of talent, but in terms of just their cohesiveness and uh, the, the collective uh, bond that this group has. And obviously we didn't get to have an episode to get into the selections because that's a whole nother discussion. And, you know, I get I get we spent a long time digging into uh, Greg Berhalter's selections. I can definitely do that. Uh, I wasn't planning to touch on it, but obviously there's a couple I, I'll get into real quickly. And obviously, Zach Steffen, we know, that was the big head-turner. No, <laughs> the big head-turner, no pun intended, since head-turner is Matt Turner's uh, Twitter handle, or it was. Um, but yeah, Zach Steffen was a surprise. It was, it was a surprise to me. But the more I thought about it, and the more, if you think about it, the reason it was such a surprise is because of the, the history between Berhalter, Greg Berhalter and Zach Steffen. But if you take away that history, or the the distant history, and let's just say you focus on the past, even the past three years, in terms of club and country contributions, and form, and mistakes, and big games, you start asking yourself, who really is the, the, the top choice to be your starting goalkeeper at the World Cup, and when you really broke it down, it was Matt Turner. Matt Turner was your guy, he was your option. And if you're Greg Berhalter and you come to that decision, you come to that conclusion, Matt Turner's your guy. Next question becomes, is Zach Steffen clearly your number two? Is he clearly in form? Is he clearly better than everyone else in terms of current play? And when you look at Ethan Horvath and the way he was playing at Luton and has been playing at Luton, you start to say, wait a minute. Zach Steffen... He's playing okay at Middlesbrough. He's had some good games. He had a very good game after he wasn't picked to the World Cup squad, which I thought was pretty interesting. He wasn't the only player to have a great game after being snubbed from the World Cup roster, but Ethan Horvath had been in better form. So that became the next question mark, the next toss up. So then it becomes, if it's Ethan Horvath, you number two. Do you really see Zach Steffen being a number three? And it just wasn't going to happen. Like, he he's just not that, that's just not the person he is, that's just not, you know, it really sets you up for, for the potential for having someone, who and not to say that Zach Steffen's necessarily a locker room cancer, or he's someone who would have just pouted his way through the World Cup, but, no, we're not saying that necessarily, but however, you had a player in Sean in Johnson who has proven himself to be an excellent locker room presence, an excellent third goalkeeper, an excellent uh, professional who can play, by the way, who has taken every opportunity he's been given with the men's national team and done well with it. So, Sean Johnson ticked all the boxes to be your ideal third goalkeeper. Once you do that, you understand, okay, this is how Zach Steffen tumbled from the top spot to the third spot. So, I think, I think as surprising as that decision was, I don't think it elicited as much reaction as the decision at striker where you had Haji Wright get the nod over Ricardo Pepe and Jordan Fuck, and, and we always knew that. We always knew that whatever that decision came down to, so there were going to be a group of people, a group of fans, and, and some media as well, who were going to have issue with it because it was just, you had that many different options. And I think Haji Wright was the biggest surprise to a lot of people because of the fact Ricardo Pepe had been scoring goals in, at Groningen in the Dutch League, he went to the Dutch League to get his groove back, and he got his groove back, but it wasn't enough. That was a surprise. I'll be the first to tell you. I thought Pepe was in. But when you look at Hadji Wright and the, and the way he's playing... And, and to be clear, the Turkish league is a very good league. And, and I feel like some people, it's, it's easy for some people to kind of write off the Turkish league. They don't watch it. How many people are really watching the Turkish league? But it's a very good league. And if you look at the list of the top scorers in that league, you have a pretty accomplished list of strikers in that league. And you can, I, I would definitely argue it's a better league than the Dutch league. I would argue that. Top to bottom. But point is, Haji right has been in outstanding form, not just the past month, but we're talking into his second season. He had a great first season in Turkey at Antalya Spor. And then right into this second season, he picks up where he he left off. And I know he didn't look great in his men's national team opportunities. I know he got that goal uh, on the penalty kick, but he didn't show as much as, as people would have liked to have seen with the national team. However, people need to remember, it's not only about the minutes you might get in a friendly. It's also about what you show in camp, what you show in training, what you show just being around the group and how you fit in. That's just a factor that I think just go, it's easy just to kind of lose sight of. Berhalter saw some things in camp and then he watched him continue to play well in Turkey and decided physically and confidence-wise and finishing-wise and also history with some of these players on this team Christian Pulisic, Weston McKinney, Luca Delator. He's played with these guys. He has a history with these guys. They know him. He's no stranger. He's not going to walk into this camp and not really know people. He already knows some of these guys very well. And I know the running joke is oh, well, Christian Pulisic just got all his guys in, right? He got Ethan Horvath in, he got Haji Wright in. Christian Pulisic's picking the roster. No, I mean, that's, if you look at it, you could say that, right? But, I mean, that would, that would be, do a disservice to what Haji Wright has been able to do in the Turkish league. And, and last thing, as far as Jordan Pifak goes, I, it's an interesting one, the reaction that, that uh, this election brought uh, in terms of Pifak and the number of people, oh, what happened? How could you leave Pifak? How could you leave? It's like, I feel like people just lost sight of the fact that he hasn't scored in like six weeks. He hasn't scored in seven weeks. You know, it, it might even be almost two months. Now, he had a great, Start to the Bundesliga season There's no denying it He was in outstanding form And that really just put him Into the picture Union Berlin was in first place In the Bundesliga They tore it up right off the bat Everything Like it was the dream move for him And the reason Jordan Pifak went to I mean it's not the reason Only reason But one of the things That you, you'd imagine Pifak Was thinking when he made that jump to the, to the Bundesliga I mean obviously you want to make that move To a better league anyway from the Swiss League to the Bundesliga. But I'm sure he makes that move thinking to himself, if I play well in the Bundesliga, I'm in. I'm on this World Cup team. I finally show Berhalter that I I can play at this level. I can play at that higher level. And he did show that. However, he eventually cooled off. And he wasn't playing as well. That's what it comes down to. As, As much as he was unbelievable the first month of the season in the Bundesliga, he cooled off and that opened the door for the questions to resurface about how he how he fits and how he compares to the other strikers. And I asked Burhalter about the striker competition and about his decisions and and how that pecking order shook out over the past weeks, over the past months. It had to change and we all saw it. It was kind of like a, you know, it was like the stock market of strikers and the and stocks were going up, stocks were going down. Jordan P Fox stock was just soaring to the moon. It was, it, was, uh, it was just skyrocketing in September, August and September. And Berhalter said himself the day of the roster announcement, if I had to pick this roster in September, Jordan Peefock would have been a lock. He said it. He admitted it. He, he just, you know, he put it out there. Yes, I was watching too. Greg Berhalter was watching Peefock. Tear it up in in his first month in the Bundesliga. He was he was very aware of what was going on. But then he cooled off. And it's pretty clear that Pifak hadn't been Berhalter's cup of tea as uh, compared to some of these other strikers, like a Josh Sargent, like a Jesus Ferreira, even Pepe, and even obviously Haji Wright. So it doesn't mean that's a personal thing. It doesn't mean it's a personal vendetta. Coaches have their preferences. Coaches have... Players that they like, players that they don't like, players who have to prove a little more because they, for whatever reason, don't quite fit what a, what a, a coach wants. There are questions about how PFAC fits in this U.S. system. So he didn't make the cut. So I, I definitely wanted to touch on those decisions before we get into the World Cup because I know people have wanted to ask about it. I could have saved it for another episode, but I just wanted to get that out of the way. So apologies for any of you who did not want to hear about the snubs and the players who didn't make it. You want to hear about now. You want to hear about who's here, who's in Qatar, the 26 players that are on this roster. And before anyone freaks out too much, and obviously this is like, it's been a week now, the freaking out has already happened. People have calmed down, but I'd like to hope, or I'd like to think that for most reasonable people, U.S. fans, U.S. Men's National Team fans, once you've freaked out, about some of the decisions, once you've calmed down over some of the, the roster choices, if you rationally look at this U.S. roster, you have a reason to be optimistic. And you have a reason to feel pretty good considering the injury situation and the players who are here, the players who have managed to be healthy now. Despite really dealing with a lot of injuries over the past year or two, when you talk about G, top of that list, Gio Reyna. Gio Reyna, I mean, we all, everyone that follows the U.S. men's national team, everyone who is a fan of the U.S. men's national team has had to deal with that, that angst, that fear, that terror of, of Reyna's health status. And, and would he be ready? Would he be healthy? and there were definitely times when for most people it was like it was almost like written off it was almost like you know what he's not going to make it as much as we would love to have him as much as he's the most arguably the most talented player in this player pool for my money he is that's me saying this anyone else can agree anyone else can disagree for me he's the most talented player in the player pool but it felt like he was it was it was just not going to happen i mean you're talking about an entire year spent dealing with injury an entire year uh, of, of not being able to play a 90-minute match and barely playing for months and months and months and dealing with multiple injuries and setbacks and the emotions. And we all saw the images of of, of crying on a few different occasions as he had setback after setback. And listen, you got to love this kid for coming through that overcoming that, fighting his way back, playing well for Bruce Dortman, and getting back on this team. And I think we all knew that if he could get healthy and he could get back to playing, Greg Barholter would find a way to put him on this team. You have to put a healthy Giorena, not just put him on this team, but make him a focal point, make him a centerpiece. Now that doesn't mean he starts every single match just because I'm not sure if he's 90 minutes ready yet. But he is so talented, so dangerous, so unique. You have to put him on the field. And uh, I, I did think it was interesting just listening to Giorena. As much as we were all worried about whether he'd be here, as far as Giorena is concerned, he, he, he never had any doubt. But credit to him for that. Credit to him for getting through that and getting here and being here now because he is going to be a key to this team. And for me, I think he could be one of the stars of this tournament. And apologies for the horns in the background. Uh, I'm coming to you from my apartment in Doha. And it is probably rush hour in Doha, even though it's like nine, it's like 5 p.m. almost in, in Qatar. It's like almost 9 a.m. back home on the East Coast in the U.S. Um, but, yeah, Gio Reyna, him, him getting back right there. If you're a U.S. fan and you saw this roster, you saw him, and then you saw the team here in Qatar... The fact that you're in here You should be jumping for joy Number one Number two Tim Weah Tim Weah's here Let's think about the injury ordeals He had Over the years Setbacks Not so much recently In the past year He's done a good job of Staying relatively healthy He had a recent injury That set him back for a few weeks He made his way back But he's here Tyler Adams Is here And Tyler Adams Has done an excellent job Since qualifying Throughout qualifying And in the past couple of years, he's really kind, of, just really solidified his his physical uh, durability, and we know that was an issue and that was a question a couple of years ago. So the fact that he's here, you have to be excited as a U.S. fan. And look, are there injuries? Were there injuries? Are there players that who could have been here who aren't here? Yes, of course. Chris Richards, he's one of the first names. Obviously, Miles Robinson, who you know had the torn Achilles a while back, and we all kind of have had months now to just accept that. When Chris Richards was a disappointment, obviously him, him and his injury issues and his lack of playing time at Crystal Palace, I think we all agree, or not we all agree, but I, me personally, I always thought he would be a, absolutely not just a, a player on this team, but a potential starter on this team. But it just didn't quite work out for him, but he's still young. He's still, for me, going to be a factor in the next World Cup and in the coming years for the Men's National team because he's too talented. Just got to work out to be, the staying healthy thing and the, the durability thing because he is just he has all the tools to be an unbelievable defender. So let's hope it works out for him. But, again, let's focus on the players who are here, the team that's here. And I'll get into a couple of guys who uh, I'm sure there were some mixed emotions about. And at the top of that list, Tim Reid. Now, he's a player I can guarantee you a few years ago. A lot of U.S. fans were like, I never want to see this guy again. We remember the Nations League final against Mexico, him getting torched. And you kind of looked at it and you said, listen, this guy just doesn't, he's like, he's too old, he's too slow. But he is, I'm telling you, he the way he has responded, the way he has played, the way he is playing at Fulham right now in the Premier League, in their return to the Premier League. Now, two years ago, when Fulham was relegated, he struggled in the Premier League. He just it was just he did not like he just didn't look like he belonged at the level. Then you go into the next season in the league championship, and he was outstanding. He was a big part of Fulham's push to to gain promotion back to the Premier League, right? When they came back to the Premier League, there were questions there. Would he once again struggle? Would he even get the chance to be the starter? Um, or would Fulham look at other options to help with that jump, considering he re- struggled the previous time Fulham was in the Premier League? What does he do? He steps into the season and just has been just consistent, playing very well and just holding his own and and showing and looking absolutely like a player who belongs at playing in the best league in the world. And that's what he's done. So you take a player like that, playing at that level with his quality on the ball, with his experience and his savvy, you got to put him on this team. I know he's older. He's the oldest field player on the roster, I believe. But you got to put him on this team. And we all know there's players who have fallen by the wayside. Namely, John Brooks. That's all I remember. There was a time when, I mean, not too long ago. I mean, two years ago. I remember two years ago, John, or even a year and a half ago, John Brooks seemed like an absolute lock for this team. Not just a lock for the team, but a starter. Lock starter. And what happens? You know, who knows what, what ends up happening to, to force him out. Greg Berhalter. You know he struggled in some qualifiers, and then Greg Berhalter just turned the page. And then Brooks himself, he kind of you know he didn't help himself recently with his most recent move. He made the move to Benfica. He left Wolfsburg. His contract ran out. He had a lot of options. He could have played in Spain. There were reports of a move to Spain looming, and he was going to play in La Liga, but he chose Benfica. He went chasing Champions League, the opportunity to play in Champions League, and he put himself, he painted himself into a corner because he goes to Benfica, and then they have Antonio Silva, the 18-year-old prodigy, Portuguese center back, step in and become the starter next to Nicolas Otamendi, the Argentinian national team defender, and all of a sudden you're John Brooks, you're stuck on the bench at Benfica. And all of a sudden, your move, your master move to work your way back into the national team picture falls flat, and now you're out. And it's unfortunate. It's unfortunate because you like World Cup teams to have some World Cup experience, and DeAndre Edlin is the only player on this team with World Cup experience. And I don't even know how much we're going to actually see DeAndre Edlin here in Qatar. I think, you know, some people, the joke is, oh, he's here for the vibes, right? No, he's here for the experience. He does bring some experience. He can give you something off the bench. I, I mean, I just don't see him starting. But back to Reem, I think Reem has earned his place. There's some other players here. and I'll leave it with this because this is, a, this is a short episode. Let's call this the setup episode because I can promise you we will have episodes. I'm, I'm aiming for an episode every day. And I know that sounds ambitious, but I think if we keep them to 30 minutes, uh, they'll be longer for the pre and post uh, game for the U.S., the pregame show preview and the post match show uh, recaps. I think those will be longer, but we're going to for the other days, we're going to shoot for like 30 minutes to 40 minutes to keep them in a good wheelhouse to, to make sure we're producing these and make sure that uh, we're keeping them keeping them coming. And it's part of SBI's extended World Cup coverage. I'm here in Qatar. I'm going to try to bring you as much as possible, whether it's podcasts, whether it's interviews, features, uh, video as well. There's a video component. Component. We're going to be ra- uh, racking up some video as well, not just on social channels, but on SBI itself. So if you haven't subscribed yet, make sure to please subscribe to uh, sbisoccer.com. They have different subscription levels. You have the starting 11 level. You have the captain level. Um so, the, if the, the top level, obviously, you get it all. You'll get everything, and I do think part some of these podcasts will end up being part of the subscription setup. So, apologies to any of you who are going to be upset by that, but listen, we got, we have to pay the bills, right? Thing. Paying for this trip, paying for everything that goes into this, which is why I want to try to bring you more. I know that the the, the, the amount of content that that I personally have been producing in recent months this hasn't been what my normal level is obviously my my responsibilities for for my my main gig at CBS sports on the TV production side have definitely kept me busy but i 'm in Qatar i 'm here to bring you everything I can from Qatar and that's that's the plan here, so definitely subscribe. And you will get your episodes on a regular, consistent basis, hopefully daily. Definitely at least every other day, but hopefully daily. I think we, I'm going to be able to pull it off. So stay tuned for that. And uh, I'll wrap up this episode by saying the latest from here is obviously Sergio Dest and Weston McKinney. Where are they in terms of their fitness coming off of whether with Sergio Dest's lack of playing time at Milan, Juventus... Uh, with McKinney's injury at Juventus, he hasn't played in a few weeks now. So those are the big question marks heading into the Wales match. And we will keep tabs on that. And I think if you're Greg Burhalter, you're looking at alternatives for that first match because I just don't think you can risk Weston McKinney not playing in, after several weeks to come in and plug him into the starting lineup for that match, especially when you have a Brendan Aronson in outstanding form. I think that's the decision he's going to make. I think he's going to go Brendan Aronson over Weston McKinney. But we'll see how things play out in the coming days. I will keep you updated. And anything we hear, we will pass along. Um, but I think that's it. That's going to wrap up this episode. This is a somewhat abbreviated episode of the SBI show. We will have episodes consistently. Stay tuned for them uh, on all the, whether it's uh, the Apple podcast app, Spotify, SoundCloud, SBI, itself. I'm going to have episodes on there. Um, as well. So definitely stay tuned for that and keep an eye out and make sure you're reading everything you can on SBI soccer. Uh, me and my team, we're going to keep bringing you everything we can, not only from the World Cup, but everything going on around the world of soccer. So definitely stay tuned and, and, and thank you once again for listening. We, we will be back. I'll be back with another episode Friday. So stay tuned for that, uh, where I'll dig into a little bit more about the starting lineup that you could see against Wales. Uh, and you know what, it, wherever you're, if you're on sbisoccer.com right now, make sure to leave some comments in the comment section on things you would like to see topics you'd like to see me get into, uh, and I'll bring it to you. I'll dig into it. So, uh, so I think that's it, but that's all for now from here in Doha. I'm Ivis Colarsep. This is the SBI show.